Blog Talk Radio. Tyler Pye, 
I'm joined once again by Hasadiah in the building. Shalom. So, man, I want to send shouts out, man, to all the brothers and the sisters that came through on Sunday, man, to celebrate our brothers Ari and his beautiful bride's uh, wedding, the sister um, Kalia. Man, I want to send shouts out to all who attended, man. It was a beautiful ceremony, and uh, I really thoroughly enjoyed myself, man. It was good to see all the brothers and sisters that came. Uh, see Mike Yohanna, man, who I have not seen in quite some time, man. The brother is looking good, man. Not look at his age. Uh, it was good to see him. Uh, Good to see the brother Gabor. I have not seen him in quite some time also, man. Just good to be around Israel, man, and fellowship with uh, family, man, with family. That's that's the, the most important thing that I took away from the event on Sunday, man, was this is my family, man. You know, we didn't watch each other kids grow up. We didn't babysit each other kids, whoop each other kids. <laughs> And we didn't have experiences with loss and uh, celebrated together, man. We've done everything together, man, for hell. I've been in for 16 years now. For 16 years, man, I've known these brothers and sisters, uh, some for the whole duration of the time that I've been in, in what we call the truth. Um, some not so long, but at least, you know, four or five years. You know, some two years, some less of time. But like I said, man, I still consider these brothers and sisters my family. Um, And I love these brothers and sisters, man, because I always say this, too. Love is an investment. And uh, I've invested in them, and they've invested in me and mine, and vice versa, man. But it was good to see everybody come out. The sisters' vows, man, just, whew. Man, I, I almost uh, bust into tears, man. And the sister got to saying saying her, uh, uh, giving her pledge to her husband. And like I said, I've known them for for quite some time, man. And they they've battled, you know, like we all do in relationships, uh, to stay together, to keep their family together. But her vows, man, the way she uh, delivered them and the scriptures she pulled, I was like, whoa. Just look at this sister with these scriptures. <laughs> and you can tell that, you know, her husband didn't write the scriptures for her. You know, she wrote this. She wrote this and she meant this. It was sincere, man. But it, it was a beautiful celebration, man. Uh, let me do this too, man. Big up to the couple, man. And I hope to see many more uh, weddings take place in Israel, man, in in, uh, in our camps, the uh, the ISBHPK, man. But I want to send shouts out to those brothers, brothers here in San Antonio, the brothers down in H-Town, the brothers in VA, the brothers in Rochester, the brothers in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and shouts out to you, Cobb down in Guatemala. Oh, and the new additions, man, the brothers in California. So welcome to you, brothers, and shout out to y'all, man. Um, 
What else did I have? I don't think I had nothing else going on, nothing else to announce. Mashaba, if it is, man, uh, shoot me a text. Matter of fact, yeah, Mashaba, if you got the dates for Pentecost, bro, that would be to wild. I know it's uh, coming up. But uh, while Mashaba's working on that, just shoot to me. Let me go ahead and get started with the show. Uh, this is Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this is the prayer we be sent up on the daily, brothers and sisters. So we can get the hell on, man. Get up out of this place, man. This demonic place. So let's get uh, Psalm chapter 118 and verse 24, please, ma'am. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So good or bad, happy or sad, man. The most high boss you too, he's going to bring you through it, and you'll come out better on the other side because of it, man. And I want to send uh, a special the water and thank you. That's what the water means, y'all. To all the brothers and sisters, man, that have been keeping Mama Dukes, my mother, uh, Catherine Moo, who Mishaba's been asking y'all to pray for. I want to say thank y'all, the water, for y'all praying for Mama Dukes. Um, she had her surgery yesterday, man. Um, I know Mashaba didn't go into it. I have not went into it. Um, didn't really want to put it out there like that, man. But I have to give all praises to the Most High, man. Y'all was shy um, for helping her and bringing her through this. We're not done quite yet, but she had her surgery yesterday. She's uh, been battling uh, cancer. Uh, the, the surgery was successful, and... Um, She's doing well. She's recovering. She's still in the hospital. I I, I believe they'll be releasing her today. I believe. That's what, what I was told yesterday. But, yeah, y'all, she's doing good. They went in, got the rest of the tumor out. Um, and, uh, like I said, she should be coming to the crib here soon, man. But the water, thank all y'all for y'all thoughts, prayers. All of that, man. I'm very appreciative for you, brothers and sisters. There is power in prayer, y'all. Never forget that, y'all. Never forget that because we as Israelites, uh, some of us, I think a lot of times we get so wrapped up in the book, which we should, that we be forgetting to pray, man, that we be forgetting to pray. You know, that's one thing I'll give Jake, um, the people that's all up in these uh, religious churches and stuff, they believe in prayer heavy. They praying all the time. They praying for stuff they shouldn't be praying for, but they they just be praying. Praying, 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 man. And like I said, I don't think us as Israelites sometimes pray enough. There is power in prayer. That's why it tells us in the book of what is it, first first Thessalonians chapter one. Uh no, first Thessalonians chapter five, I believe it is. It says pray without ceasing. There's a reason that's in the book, y'all. So we should be praying. 
Hell, the whole um, book of Psalms, man. Psalms of songs and prayers, man. But um, let me go ahead and get in the show, y'all. If it's your first time tuning in, welcome. Welcome to Sword of Truth or uh, ISDHPK Presents Bible Talk, man. Bible Talk. We've been doing this for uh, over over 10 years now. When Shabba started it, uh, I was his sidekick way back in the day. But uh, what we do is we uh, we break down the Bible. So the, 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 the title is in the show for a reason. That's exactly what we do. Uh, we let the Bible talk. Uh, we don't we don't speculate. Everything we do is proven uh, through uh, the scriptures, through historical books that we sometimes pull in often, uh, especially when we're dealing with history. And uh, my show, Talk Pod Tuesdays, I do about an hour of news, y'all, news, current events, and then I go ahead and get into my topic. And I'm going to continue on with the series I've been working on for quite some time, y'all, entitled Never Wax Pale. Uh, and today's uh, portion of the series is entitled The Revolt, Part 2. I started Part 1 last week. But it's a series that I've been doing, man, for probably a whole month now, man. But go back. I implore you to go back and uh, listen to all the shows in order, and you'll get a lot of understanding of the Bible that maybe you knew or maybe you didn't know, man. A lot of history is covered. But anyway, um, let me go ahead and get into, and I don't have a, I don't have a lot of news today, man. At least not uh, worldly news or domestic news. But I do have some news, man, that is very important that I share and address. And yeah, I'm gonna get on my soapbox and just let y'all know. Um, I did run across this, man. This right here. Um. This is just our people, man, our people. Our people are so brainwashed, so idiotic. So let me find it real quick. So I want you to read the top part. Then I want you to jump down and read this paragraph right here, all right? So go all the way up top and then jump down to that paragraph. Tell them where you read from. Okay. <clears throat> from NPR.org. Mm-hmm. Reported May 22, 2023, Republican Senator Tim Scott is officially running for president. So if you don't know who Tim Scott is, Tim Scott is a brother. He's a black man. I ain't going to say he's a brother. <laughs> he is a black person. <laughs> he is from the, the black, I don't even want to say black nation because black is a color, not a nation. But he's supposed to be from our lineage. I'm going to say that. So he's running for president of the United Snakes of America. And listen to what he says. Read this. In his 40-minute announcement speech, Scott highlighted his rise from poverty to prosperity. So he gave his rags-to-riches story. Read on. And said that America is not a racist country. He said what? America is not a racist country. Yes, this idiot said that America is not a racist. I'm sorry, y'all. Didn't try to do that. This idiot said that America is not a racist racist country, man. That's the most simplest idiotic thing I've ever heard anybody say. Now, listen to this right here. Read the next part. Scott is the only black Republican senator in the U.S. Senate. He's what? 
the only black Republican senator in the U.S. Senate. He, but he just said that America was not racist, but fool, idiot. You're the only black in the Senate. That's telling you what? America is very racist. America is very white supremacist. Idiot. Get uh, 2 Maccabees chapter 4 and verse 15, man. This is this is something that our people have been doing, man. We love the nations. Read this. Second Maccabees four fifteen. Not setting by the honors of their fathers. Now this is our people. We don't like to set by the honors of our fathers, our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And all the patriarchs of the Bible, man, who kept the law, statutes in the most high the lost law statutes and commandments of the Most High for their nation, that love their nation. This has always been our problem. Read it again. Not setting by the honors of their fathers, mm-hmm. but liking the glory of the Grecians best of all. We like the glory of who? The Grecians. We like the glory of the Grecians. And we're in the latter half of the Greco-Roman Empire, which is, in fact, America, man. We love American ideology. We love American culture. We love being like the other nations. And you can read this Bible from cover to cover, and the Most High's warning has always been, learn not the way of the heathen. Don't be like the nations. Don't do what the Gentiles do. That's always been the message. But it's always been Israel's problem, man. Our people. So, y'all, like I said, I don't have a lot of news. That's all the news I really got. Because I wanted to deal with this topic here. And this is the most important topic, like I said, because this applies to what we loosely refer to as the Israelite community, man. So there's a, there's a video circulating now on YouTube, man. And this it really is a sad day. A sad day in Israel, man. So you got the brothers from ISUPK. They're on the street corner teaching. And they're in between the buildings. So they're on one side. And on the other side, you got IUIC. Now, it's not a lot of the brothers from ISUPK, but it's a probably about 20 of the brothers. I say it's yeah, probably about 20 brothers from IUIC, and ISUPK probably had maybe four or five brothers, I believe, if that. So they teaching on the same corner, and they talking about each other's leaders, going back and forth. So disturbing about this is the cat who filmed it is Jake. He's like some damn uh, pastor, Christian uh, uh, pastor. They got all of it on tape, man. And the stuff he was saying when he was filming it, man. You ever heard the, the expression? could have bought me for a penny. He could have bought me for a penny in the stuff he was just saying. He said that these brothers are out here 
trying to keep us, and they fight each other. Because that's what eventually happened, y'all. It led up, it was an argument, and then a fight. The cops were called, and all of that. Like I said, very disturbing. I'm not promoting the video, but I have to shed some light on it, man, because this is us, man. Good or bad. So let's get Second Timothy chapter three, and we're gonna start at verse one. Second Timothy three and one. Yep. Second Timothy three and one. Yep. This know also. Now listen to what he said. He said this. Know also. You better know this, y'all. Read. That in the last days, perilous times shall come. The word perilous means dangerous. So he's warning us. Paul's warning us because he wrote the letter to Timothy. He says, in the last days, you better know that it's going to be dangerous. And we're in the last days right now, y'all. We're in them right now. These are dangerous times that we're living in. But he's going to explain why the time's going to be so dangerous. Read. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Men are going to what? Shall be lovers of their own selves. This is why it's going to be dangerous. Because it's going to be every man for himself. And this is what it's gotten to, y'all. We got this nonsense in Israel going on once again. Because this ain't nothing new. (laughs) This is nothing new. You can go back to the days of Korah and Dathan and read. This is nothing new. When they came against Moses and Aaron, they had beef. Nothing new. You can go back to even Miriam, Moses' sister, and Aaron, Moses' brother, had beef with Moses. Like, has the the Most High not spoken unto us also? Has he not worked through us also? It's like the movie in The Godfather, Alfredo. I think it was Godfather Part 2 when uh, his brother Michael was putting him on ice and he wasn't letting him interfere with any of the family's business. And Fredo broke out. <laughs> I, I, I've done things too. I put things together too. I'm smart. This is the syndrome we now have going on in Israel, man. And I bring that movie up, too, because Fredo was doing things detrimental to the family. He was doing things to hurt the family. He even went so far as to betray the family for some other family and got his family all jammed up. That's how deep it gets when everybody's out for self, when you're just you're worried about you and yours or just worry about you. Read it again. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. They just want to hear themselves talk. They just want to be the center of attention. They want everybody to see that, oh, we got this many members. We got that many members, or we're teaching this breakdown, and y'all ain't got it. 
this is why it's going to be dangerous times because these men are going to be so consumed with themselves that we forget what the mission Christ put us on in the first place. Remember what Christ said. Yahweh Shai said, and I'm going to get to that. He said, feed my sheep. Remember, you read in Acts, the first chapter. Matter of fact, hold this. Let's get that. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. And let me see. Hold on, y'all. I'm looking for it. Yes. Uh, Story verse 1. 1, 1. The former treaties I have have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, mm-hmm. until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles. He said he gave what? Commandments unto the apostles. And what was the commandment that he gave? Remember he sent them out two by two? He told them to go and teach the gospel? I know the scripture says to all nations, but remember that we were scattered throughout all nations. But he sent his disciples out to continue on his mission, which was to gather the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You can read that in St. John chapter 15 and verse 24. We know. Whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion. So, he came and showed himself to the disciples after his what? His passion. So after Christ was crucified, he resurrected from the dead. And who did he pop up to see? His homeboys, his people, his nation, who he died for. And it says he showed himself alive after his passion. What was Christ's passion? What was Jehoshaphat's passion? Israel. His People He gave his life For his people And I ain't talking about just physically either I'm talking about why he lived His whole life was dedicated to his people You never hear about him Making some reputation for himself Everybody he healed He told them hey man don't tell them who did this He didn't want the spotlight on him For all the, the Chief seats That the Pharisees sat in them and the Sadducees and the, the glorious apparel that they wore and how they traveled. You read about Yahushua, Christ traveling on what? A damn donkey. Which shows you what? How humble this brother was. How he really sincerely cared about his people and he didn't make it about him. Come on, it's the son of God. He had power to do whatever. He made the whole earth, the atmosphere, the environment, and everything in it, tremendous amounts of power. But did you ever see him flexing his power? Did you ever see him when the Pharisees were getting slick with him at the synagogue, trying to trip him up in his words? Did you ever see him 
turn their ass into stone or make them just lose their bowels and just have to run. He had that type of power. Or just make snap his fingers and make people lose their mind, make them crazy as hell. You never saw him do that. He didn't abuse his power. He understood the position that he was in. And he also understood if he abused his power, he was going to set a bad example for his people. That's what he understood. This is wisdom. Let me understand the position that I am and not be a bad example. Let's go back to Timothy. Chapter 3, read verse 2 again. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous. I want, I want to have what he got. I want to look like him. I want to do what he's doing. This is what we're doing now, and we and we always running around talking about what? Keep the commandments. Well, don't it say in the first ten commandments, thou shalt not covet? We looking over that one, though, huh? Keep the commandments. And trying to persuade other Israelites that don't know they're Israelites to be like us, to wake up, to keep the keep the commandments when we ain't even keeping them. We are here making it a show. We are here making it about us, about ourselves, individuals. Read it again. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous. Boasters, proud. What? Proud. Proud. Because the whole time I'm watching this damn video, I'm saying, why don't they just leave? Why don't one of the brothers just say, hey, man, let's just go down the street. Let's go around the corner. I've seen many brothers do it. I've seen it done. It can be done. But you know what that takes? Humility. Humility. Give me the one of Proverbs. I told you the whole. Whole uh, Timothy. We coming back to it. 10, 13, I'm thinking it was. Oh. Proverbs 13, 10. 13, 10. Only by pride cometh contention. Read it again. Only by pride cometh contention. So it tells us in the last days that men are going to be proud. So why are men going to be proud? <laughs> because they're lovers of themselves. And because your pride is on 10, because you're proud, there's going to be a lot of what? Contention. Contention. This is why nobody left. This is why it was out there just going back and forth, back and forth. This is why the contention was there, because pride was there. Read the rest of the scripture. But with the well-advised is wisdom. But with the well-advised is wisdom. Who is the people that's well-advised? The ones that are humble, that are well-advised on what the scripture says. Pride goes before destruction, and the haughty spirit before fall. The most high resists the proud, but gives grace to who? The humble. The well-advised know this. But prideful niggas, they don't know this. They just niggas. Going back to Timothy. 
Blasphemers. They're going to be what? Blasphemers. Blasphemy means you're lying on the scriptures. You're telling lies on the scriptures. And this day and age, some of us don't do it directly. We do it indirectly when we don't want to make amends to a brother we might have issues with, to a sister we got beef with. We don't want to forgive. We don't want to apologize. We got that damn uh, song playing in our head on repeat. It's too late to apologize. It's too late. It's just playing on repeat. I ain't saying I'm sorry. F them niggas. Mm-mm, not me. Somebody got to be the bigger person and take low. Somebody has to humiliate themselves. Yes, somebody has to stick to stick yourself. Stick yourself. Going back to the movie The Mac. <laughs> For those that remember. Stick yourself, nigga. Make yourself look bad. Make yourself look like a punk. Bernie Mac said, punk, punk. Yeah, honey, I was there. I seen him shoot the nigga. Clowning, man, but I'm so sincere. Somebody got to look bad. But this be the problem. No one wants to look bad. Nobody wants to look weak. Like love is weak. Like love is being soft. Like having love for your brother is being soft. And what's crazy about it, man, if your hollow shot was still walking the earth, they say he was a punk. They say he was weak. For all the times he didn't use his power to flex on the Pharisees and, and the Sadducees. And he had the power to do so. But this is why niggas was, oh, you a punk. Man. You the son of God. You could have murdered some niggas. But you, oh, you let niggas do you like that. Ah, oh, you punk. You weak. Yahweh Shah was trying to show us the power of love. The power of love will have you die for ungrateful, niggerly ass people that don't deserve it. That's the power of love. That's what he was trying to show us. Read on. Blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Meaning disobedient to authority. The authority is the Bible. The authority is the most high Christ. This book has authority over our life, over our actions, the way we carry ourselves. But we dismiss it because of our pride, because of our emotions. And, and remember, the scripture says that no effeminate, effeminate is getting to the kingdom. What could be more effeminate than getting caught up in your damn emotions? Where logic is going completely out of the window. Scripture is going completely out of your head. And you just feed it off your emotions. What could be more effeminate than that? Ain't that what women do? No, because I'm mad. F you. F them scriptures. Put the Bible down. Let's just talk. In their case, let's just argue. That's the female trait. That's effeminate. Real men deal with logic. Deal with wisdom. Deal with the scriptures. Read on. Unthankful. Unthankful that the most high pulls your little raggly ass out of the base, beastly condition that you was in. Oh, you forgot how, how, how raggly you was? 
You forgot, like Paul said, how wretched you were as a man, as a person, as a human being. You forgot that, huh? Read. Unholy. Ah, unholy. You ain't doing none of the stuff the scriptures say to do. You're just doing you. You're going by your nigga wisdom. Give me 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16. And I know everybody forgets. Everybody has a, a a moment of vulnerability. But that's why we got a book. <laughs> so you can refresh your memory. Remember what Christ said in St. John 14, 26. He said, when the comforter will come, when the comforter comes, he will teach you all things and bring all things, things to your remembrance. The comforter is the Bible. That's what teaches all things and brings all things to our remembrance in case we forget some stuff. That's why it's so important to study so you won't forget. So when real life happens, oh, I got this scripture to pull from. I got this scripture to, to, to protect me, to protect my mind, to keep me in check, to stop me from slapping the mess out of somebody. Read this. First Corinthians two sixteen. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Right, read. That he may instruct him. Mm-hmm. But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of who? Christ. We do have the mind of Christ. Let's get the mind of Christ. Saint John chapter twenty one. Go to verse fifteen. Let let let's bring this back into our remembrance. The mind of Christ. Hmm. What is that sticker they got? What would Jesus do? What's the acronym they got for it? WWJD. WWJD? Mm-hmm. What would Jesus do? Hmm, let's see. You got it? He said John 21 and... And verse 15. St. John 21 and 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? So this is Yahushai, who the Lord knows of Christ, Talking to Peter, he asked Peter a question. Peter, do you love me more than everybody else? <laughs> That's what he's saying, y'all. Read it again. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Do you love me more than everybody else, more than all of Israel? Do you love me more than them? Read. He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Man, you know I love you more than them. <laughs> you know that my love and affection for you, Yahweh Shai, is greater than they could ever love you. I'll give my life for you. Read. He saith unto him, Feed my lamb. He said, Okay. <laughs> well, if you love me more than them, and I die for them, then I want you to feed them because that's where my love is at. That's who I died for. I died for them. So since I died for them, then you should put your life on the line for them also. You should die for them also. But Peter didn't get this because Peter thought it was just about him because he, in his mind, oh, I'm the best disciple. I'm the chiefest. I love you more than anybody else. 
I'm your man. Everybody else, they ain't got nothing on me. They ain't got nothing on the works that I do. Does this sound familiar? This is the same mentality. Brothers is rolling around now. If you ain't getting taught by this camp, then you ain't in the truth. Or, oh, man, nobody bringing out the prophecies that we bringing out. Read. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. You know I love you more than these niggas. Read. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He said, Okay, you love me more than them? Well, feed them. Take care of them. You guide them. You give your life for them like I gave my life for you and the rest of them. This is what he was trying to show Peter. This is what he was trying to teach Peter. It ain't about you. It's about the people. Christ trying to say, hell, it ain't even about me. <laughs> Y'all was trying to say, it is not even about me. It's about the nation as a whole. Read. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he had because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? So Yahusha is starting to get on Peter's nerves. <laughs> That's why I say he was grieved. Like, man, what is he talking about? You know I love you more than these niggas. And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. <laughs> man, you know this already. Read. Thou knowest that I love thee. Read. He, Jesus saith unto him. Feed my sheep. Take care of my people. Take care of your nation. That's what it's about. It's not about being an individual. It's not about just you and your little high horse and your camp and your group or your congregation, assembly, whatever you want to call yourself. It's about the nation as a whole. Mashaba said this all the time, man. We came over together on those ships, those slave ships. We're going to leave the same way on those chariot ships. What, what's the Corey, the, the album Beacon got from slave ship to spaceship? That's real. We came on slave ships together. We leaving on spaceships together. We leaving on chariots together. When your Shah gets back, he ain't going to be stopping brothers and sisters and asking them, Okay, do you work on the Sabbath? <laughs> Where your friends is at? Do you believe in the new moon? Do you believe it's the Sabbath? Or do you believe that it's just uh, observed? Uh, to cover your head or not to cover your head when you teach or, or, or pray? Um, was Ruth really an Israelite? Or was she really a Gentile? Uh, is the is the real baptism the Bible or is it uh, water baptism? Um, does the Sabbath change? Is this really the, the official Passover date or this one here? Is the new moon really the the uh, crescent moon, the full moon, or the half moon? Do you really honestly think your house shy is going to be asking those questions? If you do, you're very misinformed, very misinformed. 
Yahweh going to set us all straight. Instead of finding so many differences amongst ourselves, can we find something that we agree upon? I mean, can we? Yeah, Paul said it too. Knowledge puff it up. Everybody got knowledge. Everybody got something new they want to bring out, something in the scriptures that you probably haven't seen. Well, ask yourself this, brothers, for the brothers that think like that. Is what I'm about to bring out going to cause such a ripple in Israel that's going to bring more division? If it is, let me just tuck this away. Let me let me put this to the side. Let me hold this tight to the vest. Let, let me not even say nothing. Because this is going to bring a disturbance in the things that we already unify over. Where was we at? Did you finish that? I finished 17. No, nah, go to Matthew chapter 22, start verse 36. Yep. Matthew twenty two thirty six. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. So when he said great is he saying the most important. So Yahweh said, Man, love the Lord with all your heart, all your might, all your mind. Read. This is the first and great commandment. This is the most important one. Read. It's like unto it. Now listen to what he says. He said the second is like unto it, meaning they're one and the same. And what's the second one? Read. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Read. On these two commandments. On all of 300 and some odd commandments. On these two commandments. On these two commandments. If you can just focus on these right here. Read. Hang all the law and the prophets. Hang all the law and the prophets on just these two commandments. Because when you look at all the commandments in their entirety, they're governed around what? How you treat your brother. How you treat your sister. All of them. How we treat each other. All the commandments is based off of it. That's why he said all of them hang on this. St. John chapter 5, verse 41. But we, well, we want to beef over where you wearing your fringes, fringes at. Is the border of blue really a border of blue or is it turquoise? I mean, we're good at divisive issues, man. We're good at division. We're great at division, man. If 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 it was a math math test, we do great on some division, boy. Excellent. But let it be some adding. <laughs> we will fail. We will fail in basic addition. Adding. Oh yeah. John five forty one. I receive not honor from men. What, what? Read it again. I receive not honor from men. Who is this speaking? Christ. Christ said he ain't receiving honor from men. Read. But I know you. He said, but he what? He said what? But I know you. But I know y'all. Read. That ye have not the love of God in you. 
and why they don't have why is he saying this? Preach. I am come in my father's name, and ye receive me not. She said he came in the father's name and not he ain't getting received. Read. If another shall come in his own name. But if you have another nigga come in his own name, <laughs> represent his own principles and thoughts, read. Him ye will receive. You'll receive him, though. Read. How can ye believe which receive honor one of another? Read that again. How can ye believe? How can you really believe in the Bible? How can you really believe in the works of Christ? When you do what? Which receive honor one of another. When you're so worried about being honored by somebody else, being praised by somebody else, how can you truly believe? This This is not what it's about. Read. And seek not the honor that cometh from God only. And you don't seek the most highest honor? You don't seek the, the most highest praise? You don't seek the most highest acceptance? You're seeking the acceptance of men? What verse you in? Keep reading. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. Yes, you have to pay for that. You have to pay for being self-centered. Read. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom ye trust. Right. Keep the commandments. Keep the commandments. The commandments say this. You trust in Moses. You trust in the Torah. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me. But listen to what Yahushua said. If you had believed Moses, when Moses said what? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Then you would have believed Christ. When Christ said the same thing, that all the commandments hang on to, the most important ones, love the most high with all your heart, your mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. You would have believed that if you believed the Torah. Read. For he wrote of me. Read on. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? But you say you believe in the whole book. Christ taught love, too. Love for one another. It's shameful, man. It is shameful. I know the Most High and Yahweh is up there shaking their head, pissed off. Y'all shout, Dad, Dad, they fighting again. Dad, look what they doing. Dad, look. It's disgraceful. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed. I was talking to Michelle yesterday about this. I'm ashamed. They make all of Israel look bad. Don't think this is an isolated incident, y'all. We've already been painted as cult, hate group. Now look at us proving everybody right. We're a hate group. We hate ourselves. Look, they fight each other. See? And what message is this saying to the brother or sister that, that's been curious about the truth? And they go online and they see this. They're going to run their ass back in church. Where Jesus is love. We know. Oh, that was it? Mm-hmm. 
All right, let's get Proverbs chapter 6 and start at verse 16. Proverbs 6 and 16. These six things that the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Now, look at the word abomination. So we're about to read a list of six things that the Most High said he absolutely hates. And he said the last one, the seventh one, is an abomination to him. We're going to look up the word abomination. So nobody's lost, nobody's confused. They know what abomination means. You got it? Mm -hmm. Abomination, something regarded with disgust or hatred. So this seventh thing, the most high is disgusted at and he really hates. Read. The scripture? The scripture. These six things that the Lord hates, yea, seven, are an abomination unto him. Mm-hmm. A proud look. That's one. A lying tongue. Two. And hands that shed innocent blood. Three. And heart that deviseth wicked imagination. Four. Feet that be swift in running to mischief. Five. A false witness that speaketh lies. Six. Now listen to this. This is the last one. The one he said he absolutely is disgusted by. Read. And he that soweth discord among brethren. The most high hates what? He that soweth discord among brethren. Now the word discourse means lack of agreement or harmony. As between persons, things, or ideas. So once again, discord, lack of agreement or harmony, as between persons, things, or ideas. The Most High hates people that does this, that sow discord among brethren. These people that won't agree, these people that won't be in harmony, these people that have different ideas and different things, and they can just not find a common ground. The Most High said he absolutely despises and hates this. But this is the thing that we keep doing. Give me Galatians chapter 6. And I want you to read verse 3. We're going to jump around a little bit. Galatians 6 and 3. For if a man think himself to be something. I'm this. I'm that. I'm the chief. I'm the bishop. I'm whatever. Read. When he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. He's what? Deceiveth himself. He's deceiving himself. Now jump down to verse 12. As many as, as desire to make a fair shoe in the flesh. So you want to make a, a fair show in your flesh, everybody to see you? All You got the Tupac uh, song in your mind. All eyes on me. Read. They constrain you to be circumcised. And because I want all eyes on me, I'm, I'm going to constrain you. Man, join my camp. 
join my camp. I'm substituting the word circumcised for, for camp. Read. Only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. And what Paul is saying is, yeah, all eyes is going to be on you if you're doing this for Christ. If you're doing this for your house shot, yeah, you'll get praised. The most high is going to praise you. Other people are going to look towards you as a good example. Read. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law. Neither us that's in the truth, that know the law. We don't even keep it. Because the law said what? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. But desire to have you circumcised. But desire how you get the knowledge of the truth and be in their camp. I ain't keeping the law, but I'm trying to teach you how to keep the law. And I, and I ain't keeping the very basic law, which which says love your neighbor or your brother as yourself. But I'm trying to get you to join. Read. That they may glory in your flesh. Just so I can say, man, see, look how many members I got. See, that's my fruit. I woke that brother up, too. I woke that sister up, too. So now it's just about boasting. Read. But God forbid that I should glory, save. Now, this is what Paul said. He said, God forbid that I should glory just because I got a bunch of members, just because I'm this acronym. Read. Save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the only thing I'm glorying in, and your house shot, and the fact that he gave his life for us, for his people. And then I'm out here, like he instructed Peter to do, feeding the sheep, gathering the lost sheep. Read. By whom the world is crucified unto me. He said the world is dead to me. Now, jump over. Give me um, give me Luke chapter 18 and start of verse 7. Mm-mm. Okay. Luke 18, 7. Yeah, 18, 7. Luke chapter 8, 18, verse 7. And shall not God avenge his own elect? No doubt. Shall, shall the Most High not avenge his chosen? Read. Which cry day and night. Unto him Which do what? Cry day and night unto him Pray day and night to him Read Though he bear long with them Read I tell you that he will avenge them speedily No doubt The Most High Yahushua is definitely going to avenge his chosen Read Nevertheless When the Son of Man cometh Shall he find faith on the earth? And this is the scripture that hit me yesterday I told you Mishabah This was hitting me Excuse me. Is Jehovah Shai going to find faith? Is he going to find faithful Israelites? Is he going to find brothers and sisters that sincerely love each other, that sincerely look out for each other? Because right now, man, I'm telling you, it's hard for me to see. It's hard for me to see this. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? And I had to be reminded of this right here. Let's get First Kings chapter nineteen. You know, and I ain't gonna lie, y'all. Sometimes things that happen, and I be thinking it's the end of the world, man. 
I'll be thinking like it's the worst of the worst. I'll be thinking like, man, this is like really just bad, you know. And, and it do be bad, but it don't be so bad that we can't come back from it. So, uh, what we at? First Kings chapter nineteen. Uh, and start at verse. Uh, let me see, verse fourteen. Verse fourteen. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. Now, this was uh, Elijah speaking. He said, I've been very jealous for you, God. I'm sorry, Most High, Yahweh, read. Because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant. Now, this is the reason why. He said, I've been been fighting for you because Israel just won't listen. They keep breaking the contract you made with them. Read. Thrown down thine altars uh-huh. and slain thy prophets uh-huh. with the sword. Read. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Elijah thought he was the only one that was faithful, that still believed. And like I say, uh, sometimes I have a tendency to overreact. <laughs> I will admit this. But listen to what Yahweh I have to come back and tell him. Keep reading. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. Now jump down to verse 18. And this is the part I want to get to. Now remember, Elijah thinks he's the only one left. Read. 18. Yep. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel. Now this is the most high, still responding to Elijah. I'm sorry. Yeah, he still responded to Elijah. He said what? Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel. There's still a complete number. Remember, seven is the number of completion. He said there's still a complete number of Israelites. Read. All the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which have not kissed him. A lot of us are still faithful to the Most High Christ. A lot of us still believe love your brother as you love yourself. A lot of us still believe this, and a lot of us still execute this on a daily, man. So don't let this mishap that we've seen with Israel, this discourse, discord between Israel, don't let this shake y'all, man. Don't let this shake your faith. There is still hope. Yahushua is still coming back. Ain't nothing changed. To get his people, man. To get the believers, the ones that truly believe, the ones that love each other, man. So, y'all, that's the end of my soapbox um, dealing with that issue. We're going to take a quick break and come back, and I'm going to get into part two of my class to revoke. See you on the other side of this break.
All right, y'all. Uh, we are back. We are back. So I usually would do a recap, y'all, but I'm not going to do a recap uh, because I'm pressed for time, and I got a lot of information I want to get into. Um, but last week what we went over, I guess it was just a small one. We went over um, Manathias, uh, Judas Maccabee's father, him standing up um, for our nation, for our people, and um, he eventually died. And his son, Judas Maccabees, also known as uh, the Hammer, that's what, what the word Maccabees means, he took the reins and hell, and he started fighting many wars and uh, taking back a lot of our territories. And what we're going to get into today is him retaking the temple. So I believe we read chapter 3 of 1st Maccabees last week. So this week, let's get chapter 4. So we're in 1st Maccabees chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 1, y'all. First Maccabees chapter 4 verse 1 uh-huh. Then took Gorgias 5,000 footmen and 1,000 of the best horsemen and removed out of the camp by night So this, uh, what's his dude named? Gorgias This was one of Antiochus' uh, generals, I believe Read on to the end, he might rush in upon the camp of the Jews and smite them suddenly. Mm-hmm. And the men of the fortress were his guides. Mm-hmm. Now when Judas heard thereof, he himself removed and the valiant men with him, that he might smite the king's army, which was at Emmaus. Yeah, keep reading. While as yet the forces were dispersed from the camp. In the mean season... Gorgias by night into the camp of Judas, and when he found no man there, he sought them in the mountains. For said he, these fellows flee from us. But as soon as it was day, Judas shewed himself in the plains with 3,000 men, who nevertheless had neither armor nor swords to their minds. So these brothers didn't, didn't care about armor, didn't care about swords. This is how zealous and how faithful these men were fighting for their nation, man. And this is a part of history, y'all. If you're unfamiliar with this history, man, I implore you to go back and read it in its entirety. I'm just kind of skimming through it, man, to give us uh, excerpts of our history uh, during the course of this class because my purpose is to walk us through all the captivity that we've been in to where we eventually lead up to the Roman captivity, which is the New Testament. So read on, verse 7. And they saw the camp of the heathen, that it was strong and well harnessed, and compassed round about with horsemen. And these were expert of war. So these heathens was expert of war, read. Then said Judas to the men that were with him, Fear ye not their multitude, neither be ye afraid of their assault. Remember how our fathers were delivered in the Red Sea when Pharaoh pursued them with an army. Mm-hmm. Now, therefore, let us cry unto heaven, if peradventure the Lord will have mercy upon us. And remember the covenant of our fathers, 
and destroy this host before our face this day, mm-hmm. so that that so all the heathen may know that there is one who delivereth and saveth Israel. Mm-hmm. Then the strangers lifted up their eyes and saw them coming over against them. Wherefore they went out of the camp to battle, but they that were with Judas sounded their trumpets. So they joined battle, and the heathen being discomfited fled into the plain. Howbeit all the hindmost of them were slain with the sword, for they pursued them unto Gezerah and unto the plains of Idumea. Now, remember, y'all, this is guerrilla warfare. And when in guerrilla warfare, you don't have a lot of men. So this brother Judas, he didn't have a lot of men. But look how so small a company was overthrowing these huge armies, man. We showed you that the Most High ain't about numbers, y'all. He's about faith. He's about if you really believe. If you really believe, he'll give you the victory. Read on. Verse 16. And Azotus and Jamnia, so that there were slain of them upon a 3,000 men. This done, Judas returned. So Judas and his small company of men, they killed 3,000 men. Wow. Read. This done, Judas returned again with his host from pursuing them and said to the people, be not greedy of the spoils. Listen to what he's saying. <laughs> Don't be greedy of the spoils, y'all. No, you know this is black people, right? Come on, man. Who rolled like this? Read. Inasmuch as there is a battle before us. He said, we still got fighting to do. <laughs> we, it ain't time to celebrate and live in luxury and get what we can get. We still got more people to fight. Read. And Gorgias and his hosts are here by us in the mountain. But stand ye now against our enemies. And overcome them. And after this, ye may boldly take the spoil. So he said, after we done fighting, then I'll let y'all come back and get what y'all going to get. Read. As Judas was yet speaking these words, there appeared a part of them looking out of the mountain. So I guess they sent some spies to peep, peep them out. Now, I want y'all to understand this, too, also. Back in those days when uh, nations went out to war, you wore your best armor. Your best armor, you had your best shield, bows, your best sword, because you got to think about it. And when you go to a funeral, y'all, the person in the casket is wearing the best. They're wearing their very best, and they're looking good, because this is the last time you're going to see them, their body anyway. So they want to make sure that they're presentable. So when you went to war, you wore your very best, because you didn't know if you was coming back home alive. So this, this nation that came, these nations that came out against us, they had their very best on. They had armor with jewels, and it was made out of the finest uh, materials, the finest metals. They had swords that was made out of the finest metals. So this was the spoil. You could get rich off of spoiling a damn uh, battlefield. Read. Who, when they perceived that the Jews had put their host to flight, and were burning the tent, for the smoke that was seen declared what was done. When therefore they perceived these things, they were sore afraid, and seeing also the host of Judas in the plain ready to fight. You got this big army scared of this few company of men. Man, you know the most high was rolling with them brothers. Read. 
They fled every one into the land of strangers. Mm -hmm. Then Judas returned to spoil the tent where they got much gold and silver and blue silk and purple of the sea and great riches. Y'all see? I ain't making stuff up. Read. After this, they went home and sung a song of thanksgiving and praised the Lord in heaven because it is good, because his mercy endureth forever. Keep in mind, they didn't praise themselves. They praised the Most High. Read. Thus, Israel had a great deliverance that day. Now all the strangers that had escaped came and told Lysias what had happened, who, when he heard thereof, was confounded and discouraged. Another one of Antiochus' generals. Read. Because neither such things as as he would were done unto Israel nor such thing as, as the king commanded him were come to pass. Mm-hmm. The next year, therefore, following Lysias, gathered together three score thousand choice men of foot and 5,000 horsemen that he might subdue them. Mm-hmm. So they came into Idumea and pitched their tents at Beth Shur, and Judas met them with 10,000 men. So we have 10,000 men. Remember if they came into Idumea. We don't get what Idumea is at the end of this uh, chapter. Read on. And when he saw that mighty army, he prayed and said, Blessed art thou, O Savior of Israel, who didst quell the violence of the mighty man by the hand of thy servant David, and gavest the host of strangers into the hands of Jonathan, the son of Saul, and his armor bearer. Shut up this army in the hand of thy people, Israel, and let them be confounded in their power and horsemen. Make them to be of no courage and cause the boldness of their strength to fall away and let them quake at their destruction. Cast them down with the sword of them that love thee and let let all those that know thy name praise thee with such thanksgiving. So they joined battle and there were slain of the host of Lysias about 5,000 men. Even before them were they slain. Now, remember, the brothers sent up prayer before he went to war, and they won the battle, and they were victorious. We're going to skip down to verse 36 now. Then said Judas and his brethren, Behold, our enemies are discomfited. Let us go up to cleanse and dedicate the sanctuary. So he said, man, let's go and dedicate the temple. That's where the sanctuary was. Let's go and clean it up and rededicate it. Because remember, we covered this earlier, that the heathen had went in and they had stole all the gold out of the temple. They basically robbed the temple. And they had they were uh, sacrificing swine's flesh on the altar. And then they had put up uh, an altar of Zeus, the Greek god, in, in our temple. And this is the second temple the one that uh, Zerubbabel and Ezra and Nehemiah uh, went back to Jerusalem to build during the time of the Babylonians. Read on. 36. 37. 37. Upon this, all the hosts assembled themselves together and went up into Mount Sion. Mm-hmm. And when they saw the sanctuary desolate and the altar profaned and the gates burned up and the shrubs growing in the courts, as in a forest or in one of the mountains, yea, and the priest's chambers pulled down, they rent their clothes and made great lamentation and cast ashes upon their heads and fell down flat to the ground upon their faces. 
and blew an alarm with the trumpets and cried toward heaven. Then Judas appointed certain men to fight against those that were in the fortress until he had cleansed the sanctuary. So he chose priests of blameless conversation, such as had pleasure in the law, who cleansed the sanctuary and bear out the defiled stones into an unclean place. And when they consulted to do with the altar of burnt offerings, which was profaned, they thought it best to pull it down, lest it should be reproached to them because the heathen had defiled it. Wherefore they pulled it down and laid up the stones in the mountain of the temple in a convenient place until there should come a prophet to shew what should be done with them. Then they took whole stones according to the law and built a new altar according to the former and made up the sanctuary and the things that were within the temple and hollowed the court. They made also new holy vessels and into the temple they brought the candlestick and the altar of burnt offerings and of incense and the table. So the candlestick being the menorah, read. And upon the altar they burned incense and the lamps that were upon the candlestick they lighted, that they might give light in the temple. Furthermore, they set the loaves upon the table and spread out the veils and finished all the works which had, they had begun to make. Mm-hmm. Now on the five and twentieth day of the ninth month, which is called the month Kaslu. So it's the five and twentieth day or the twenty-fifth day in the word Kaslu. This month Kaslu translates into December. So this happened in the wintertime on the 25th day of December, you know, Christmas. But we weren't celebrating no damn Christmas. Read. In the 148th year, they rose up the times in the morning and offered sacrifice according to the law upon the new altar of burnt offerings, which they had made. Look at what time and what day the heathen had profaned it, even in that was it dedicated with songs and cisterns and hearts and symbols? So what dedication is talking about, talking about the dedication or the high holy day of what we know as Hanukkah, which means dedication. So this happened during the wintertime in December. That's why when we celebrate Hanukkah, still this day and age, is usually around December, sometime either uh, before or after Christmas, you know? Then all the people fell upon their faces, worshiping and praising the God of heaven, who had given them good success. And so they kept the dedication of the altar eight days. And we keep Hanukkah for eight days, or we keep the Feast of Dedication, also known as the Feast of Light days. And this is when we bring out the uh, eight candle uh, holder menorah. And we light the candles. We light a candle, one candle each day. We celebrate the eight days. That's what this brother's talking about. Reading in verse 56. And so they kept the dedication of the altar eight days and offered burnt offerings with gladness and sacrificed the sacrifice of deliverance and praise. They decked also the forefront of the temple with crowns of gold. So this is where the decorations come in at. So. And we get brothers and sisters asked all the time, can we decorate for Hanukkah? Yes, you can. That's what we did. Read. And with shields and the gates and the chambers, they renewed and hanged doors upon them. Thus was there very great gladness among the people, for that the reproach of the heathen was put away. So we put the stink of the heathen away. Read. Moreover, Judas and his brethren with the whole congregation of Israel 
ordained that the days of the dedication of the altar should be kept in the seat in their season from year to year by the space of eight days. From year to year. So we do this every year, y'all. Hanukkah, read. From the five and twentieth day of the month, Kazlu, with mirth and gladness. Mm-hmm. And that time also they builded up the Mount Sion with high walls and strong towers round about, lest the Gentiles should come and tread it down as they had done before. So all our holy days, they have significance to them, y'all. It ain't like the pagan holidays that uh, celebrate deities. Our holy days actually have meaning, and they're significant for something. Read on. And they set there a garrison to keep it and fortified Bethsura to preserve it, that the people might have a defense against Idumia. So we were setting up to have a defense against who? Idumia. I do me. So let's go to the uh, Zombie Bible, Compact Bible Dictionary, page 239, to find out who I do me is, is. And I told you, because I do me was mentioned earlier in this chapter. Now it's being mentioned again. So we have to find out who or what this I do me is. So we want to page 239 of the Compact, Zondervan Compact uh, Bible Dictionary, y'all. <clears throat> Idumia, Greek and Roman name for Edom. Is what? The Greek and Roman name for Edom. The Greek and Roman name for Edom. So this Idumia is a place where the Edomites used to live at. Read on. Is that it? You mean a reference that is a, the scriptures? Uh, go to, it's, it's referencing page 141, right? Mark no, but it has another page. It, it says C something. Oh, it says C Edom. So yeah, so C Edom, Edom, page 141. Remember, we're dealing with the definition of Idumia, and we find out that the Idumia was a spot where the Edomites lived at, and now it's telling us to see Edom. So let's find out who Edom is. Read this. Okay. Page 141 in the Zondervan Compact Bible Dictionary. Edom, Edomite. The nation and its people who were the descendants of Esau. So these are the descendants of Esau. This this uh, country we just read about in uh, the Apocrypha in Maccabees, um, Idumia is a place where Esau and his folks lived at. I hope everybody's seeing this. That's what this red. Read on. What does it say? Red. Red. This goes back to Genesis chapter 25, verse 25, when he was born. So it's talking about the so-called white man who loosely refers to himself as white. So who were we fighting against? Who are we trying to keep out of Jerusalem from ramshacking our temple once again? White folks. I want everybody to understand this. I'm not making this up. So you got to ask yourself. How could they be the real people of the book if we're trying to keep them out? That would make no sense. Read the rest of that. He founded the country, so his name is equated with Edom. The country was also called Seir or Mount Seir, which was the name of the territory in which the Edomites lived. Like I said, going back to Genesis chapter 25 and Genesis uh, the 36th chapter also, 
What else does it say? There's a lot. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, read the rest of it. Okay. It references Genesis 25, 30. Told you. Read. 36 and 1, mm-hmm. and also verse 8. All right, cool. And, uh, no, nah, we ain't going to read the rest okay. of that. So let's go to Holman's Bible Atlas now, page 184, and I want you to read, start right here. And then we're going to jump in the Bible, New Testament. Okay. From the Holman Bible Atlas, page 184, mm-hmm. Judas won an impressive string of victories over Seleucid commanders, including the defeat of Apollonius at the ascent of Lebanon, 167 B.C., 1 Maccabees 3, 10 through 12. Saren at the... Beth Horon Pass, 166 BC, 1 Maccabees 3, 13 through 23, and Nicanor near Emmaus, 165 BC, referenced in 1 Maccabees 3, 38 through 4, verses 3 through 5. Judas's most impressive victory occurred in December, 164 BC. Now, it says his most impressive victory happened when? In December 164 B.C. We just read that. That's the month cast loose. Read. When he recaptured the Jerusalem temple, dismantled the pagan altar, and cleansed the temple. Mm-hmm. First Maccabees 4, 36 through chapter 5, verse 61. Mm-hmm. The Jewish sacrificial system once again was carried out in accordance with the law of Moses. Mm-hmm. The festival of Hanukkah was the festival festival of what? Of Hanukkah. See, I'm not making this up, y'all. This is celebrating Hanukkah. Read. Was instituted to commemorate this joyous event. Jesus declared, "I and the Father are one." While he attended this festival, 200 years later, see John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. We finna go there. Let's go there now. Saint John chapter 10, verse 22. Because it said that Christ attended this festival in the New Testament, this festival known as Hanukkah. Because a lot of people like to say, well, Hanukkah ain't in the Bible. It is in the Bible. It's not in the Bible that you got because you only got uh, Psalms and Proverbs in the New Testament. Or you only got the Old Testament and the New Testament without this very important piece of information of history called the Apocrypha in the middle between the old and the new, because that's rightly where it fits. Read this. St. John chapter 10, verse 22. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication. The feast of what? The dedication. Also known as Hanukkah. Also known as the feast of lights. Read. And it was winter. And it was winter. You see this? Winter time, like it tells you in the Apocrypha, the month cast loose, December, December's when. In the winter time. All right, let's go back to the Homeless Bible Atlas now. Page 184. I want you to continue this. Where you were, and we're going to read all the way to the end of that highlights. Okay. <clears throat> Judas continued the struggle until his death in battle in 160 B.C. So, we're reading up to the death of Judas Maccabees. Read. As his confidence increased, Judas grew bolder and suffered defeat. However, the death of Antiochus IV in 164 B.C. And we're going to get that too, the death of Antiochus Epiphanes. Read. Led to an important concession to the Jews. 
several claimants to the Seleucid throne, including the son of Seleucus IV, Demetrius I, and Seleucid general Lysias, vied for power. To win Jewish support, Lysias granted religious freedom to the Jews. And we're going to get that. Read. 162 B.C. Mm-hmm. This act overturned the oppressive edict of Antiochus IV. So what we're reading is how after Antiochus died, this cat named, what's his name, Lysias? He gave us permission to worship the Most High again in peace. Read. And satisfied the Hasidim, many of whom gave up the armed struggle. The Hasidim, remember, this is the group that the Pharisees eventually would derive from. So it said that they gave up what? Gave up the armed struggle. They stopped fighting. And we're going to find out what they did. They basically assimilated, and they went on to form the Sanhedrin. Um, uh, and then they start, started having many battles against the Sadducees. And that, I don't want to jump the gun. We're going to get to it. Read on. Later, Jewish leaders exploited the Seleucid dynasty, the dynastic rivalries to gain additional concessions. Jonathan. Jonathan became the leader of the revolt upon the death of his brother Judas in 160 B.C. So after Judas died, his brother Jonathan stepped to the helms, and he ran the, continued to run the revolt against the Greeks for Israel. Read. His situation was desperate because many supporters had abandoned the conflict while Seleucid pressure increased. Jonathan moved to the Judean desert and carried on a strategy of hit-and-run tactics against the Bacchides, the Seleucid general sent to oppose him. So Jonathan continued the guerrilla warfare, y'all. Is that it? Bacchides finally made a truce with Jonathan, prompting Jonathan to move to... Mishmash, where he began to judge the people, and he destroyed the ungodly out of Israel. Referenced in 1 Maccabees 9, 73. So he continued the mission. Read. Jerusalem, however, remained in the hands of Greek sympathizers and Seleucid troops. But we were still under the, in the Greek captivity under the control of the Greeks. Now let's get the death of Antiochus Epiphanes. Let's go to 1 Maccabees chapter 6. Yep, start at verse 1. First Maccabees 6 and 1. About the time, about that time, King Antiochus, traveling through the high countries, heard say that Elimaeus, in the country of Persia, was a city greatly renowned for riches, silver, and gold, and that there was in it a very rich temple, wherein the coverings of gold and breastplates and shields, which Alexander son of Philip, the Macedonian king, who reigned first among the Grecians, had left there. So Antiochus gets wind of some treasures that uh, Alexander the Great had left in his temple. And this is basically what all Esau does, man. They're grave robbers. You ever heard of any person grave robbers or temple robbers? This is all they did. They plundered temples and they looked for riches. They still do it to this day, but this now they're known as archaeologists, <laughs> but it's the same damn thing. Read on. Wherefore he came and sought to take the city and to spoil it, but he was not able because they of the city, having had warning thereof, rose up against him in battle. So he fled and departed thence 
with great heaviness and returned to Babylon. So they whooped his tail and he had to go back to Babylon, read. Moreover, there came one who brought him tidings into Persia that the armies which went against the land of Judea were put to, to flight. So the dude he sent, Lystrus, word got back that he lost the battle. Word about got back to Antiochus that Lystrus, who he sent to fight the Jews to go against them, he lost the battle. Read. And that Lysias, who went forth first with a great power, was driven away of the Jews, mm-hmm. and that they were made strong by the armor and power and store of spoils which they had gotten of the armies whom they had destroyed. Also, that they had pulled down the abomination which he had set up upon the altar in Jerusalem. Which was Zeus. Read. And that they had compassed about the sanctuary with high walls, as before, and his city, Bethsura. So they had took, retook the temple, retook Jerusalem, and rededicated the temple to the Most High, and they started putting the walls back up to fortify the city. Read. Now when the king heard these words, he was astonished and sore moved, whereupon he laid him down upon his bed and fell sick for grief, because it had not befallen him, as he looked for. Now, this whoever, whoever wrote this was being uh, nice and not telling the whole truth, but we're going to get the account why he fell sick. Read. And there he continued many days, for his grief was ever more and more, and he made account that he should die. Mm-hmm. Wherefore he called for all his friends and said unto them, The sheep is gone from mine eyes. I'm sorry, the sleep is gone from mine eyes, and my heart faileth for very care and I thought my with myself into what tribulation am I come and how great a flood of misery is it wherein now I am for I was bountiful and beloved in my power but now I remember the evils that I did at Jerusalem mm, moment of clarity huh read and that I took all the vessels of gold and silver that were therein and sent to destroy the inhabitants of Judea without a cause I perceive, therefore, that... Now, he said he was thinking that he did it without a cause. But we know that that was of the most high, man. Because you remember when Hilladorus was sent the first time to take the money out the temple that he had been told about by Simon, those angels whooped his tail. But remember, when they came back the second time, they were able to take all that money out of the temple. And the most high didn't send no angels. So that was from the Most High, but he's thinking that it was for, for no cause. Steve, therefore, that for this cause these troubles are come upon me, and behold, I perish through the great grief in a strange land. Now, this is the reason the Most High had this sickness come upon him, but there's another reason too. Read on. Then called he for Philip, one of his friends, whom he made ruler over all his realm. And gave him the crown and his robe and his signet to the end. He should bring up his son Antiochus and nourish him up for the kingdom. So he had a son right after him, named the same thing he was named. Like I told y'all, man, when you deal with the Greeks and Romans, their their names just go on and on and on and on forever. You have like 18 damn Antiochus, probably more than that. We don't. So King Antiochus died there in the 149th year. So this is when he died. Now, let's get the account of what he was sick from. Let's go to 2 Maccabees now. 
Second Maccabees uh, chapter nine. And we're gonna start at verse five. Matter of fact, let's just start at one. So Second Maccabees chapter five, start at verse one. Nine and one. Yeah. Uh, oh, nine and one. Okay. Nine, nine and one. My bad, y'all. Second Maccabees chapter nine, verse one. Second Maccabees nine, one. About that time came Antiochus with dishonor out of the country of Persia, for he had entered the city called Persepolis and went about to rob the temple. Now we just read the exact same thing in First Maccabees. Same story, y'all. Read. To hold the city, whereupon the multitude, running to defend themselves with their weapons, put them to flight. And so it happened that Antiochus, being put to flight of the inhabitants, returned with shame. Now when he came to Ecbatan, or Ecbatan, news was brought him what had happened unto Nicanor and Timotheus. So, now remember... Judas Maccabees had battles against Nicanor and Timotheus, and both of those battles, Judas Maccabees won. And he also had a battle against the dude uh, Lysus. Read. Then, swelling with anger, he thought to avenge upon the Jews the disgrace done unto him by those that made him flee. So he was mad that they lost those battles. Read. Therefore commanded he his chariot men to drive without ceasing, and to dispatch the journey, the judgment of God now following him. So he was mad. He was so hot. He's like, man, y'all drive, push these horses to the limit. Don't stop till we get to Jerusalem. Read. The judgment of God now following him, for he had spoken proudly in this sort, that he would come to Jerusalem and make it a common burying place of the Jews. <laughs> you see how tough he, he was talking? Read. But the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, smote him with an incurable and invisible plague. It was incurable and it was invisible. They didn't know what the hell it was. So when it said he fell sick, and we just read it in First Maccabees, chapter 6, this is the, the uh, sickness that he had. Read. For as soon as he had spoken these words, a pain of the bowels that was remediless came upon him, and sore torments of the inner parts. So he had problems in his bowels and his intestines, man. And he had the stomach. He had some stomach issues that was just hurting him. Read. And that most justly, for he had tormented other men's bowels with many and strange torments. Saying it was only fair because he did the same thing to other people. He did the, look at all the atrocities he did to us. Read. Howbeit, nothing at all ceased from his bragging. But, but he was still bragging, read. But still was filled with pride. With what? Pride. So why does the Most High give him this stomach issue? Because of his damn pride. Pride is a dangerous thing, y'all. Read. Breathing out fire in his rage against the Jews and commanding to haste the journey. But it came. But it came to pass that he fell down from his chariot and carried violently, so that having a sore fall, all the members of his body were much pained. So this dude fell off his chariot. <laughs> Rio. And thus, he that a little afore thought he might command the waves of the sea. This dude was so arrogant in his pride, he thought he could 
command the ways of the sea. And we know that only the most high can do that. So this dude put his up to, put his stuff up there with God because his name, Antiochus Epiphanes, means one that is one that is like God. That's what his name means. Mm-hmm. Read. So proud was he beyond the condition of man. Damn. Read. And weighed the high mountains in a balance. Was now cast on the ground and carried in his horse litter, showing forth unto all the manifest power of God. So that the worms rose up out of the body of this wicked man. This dude had worms in him. So he was, it sounds like he was being eaten by these worms from the inside out. So if the worms in his body were starting to show, that means they was his flesh was deteriorating. They were eating his flesh. Read. And while he lived in sorrow and pain, his flesh fell away. See? Read. And the filthiness of his smell was noisome to all his army. He was rotten from the inside out. And the smell was putrid. Read. And the man that thought a little before he could reach to the stars of heaven, no man could endure to carry for his intolerable stink. He smelt that bad. He couldn't be carried. Read. Here, therefore, being plagued, he began to leave off his great and to come to the knowledge of himself by the scourge of God. So he got off his hot horse, (laughs) literally, (laughs) got off his pride, read. His pain increasing every moment. Mm -hmm. And when he himself could not abide his own smell. He couldn't stand his own smell, read. He said these words. It is meet to be subject unto God, and that a man that is mortal should not proudly think of himself as if he were God. Oh, my goodness. Do we hear this? A mortal shouldn't think that they're God, like they got some authority. Read. This wicked person bowed also unto the Lord, who now no more would have mercy upon him, saying thus, that the holy city to which he was going in haste, to lay it even with the ground and to make it a common burying place, he would set at liberty. He would do what? Set at liberty. So this is Antiochus setting the stronghold that he had on the Israelites. He was setting, uh, letting it loose, setting them up to have their own sovereignty once again. Let's get Second Maccabees chapter 11. And when you start at verse 12. Second Maccabees eleven twelve, many of them also being wounded escaped naked, and Lysias himself fled away shamefully and so escaped. So this is a, another battle that Lysias had against the Israelites in which he lost. Read. Who, as he was a man of understanding, casting with himself what loss he had had. And considering that the Hebrews could not be overcome because the Almighty God helped them, he sent unto them. So it wasn't our strength. It was the fact that the Most High was helping us fight our battles. And this is when we're in order with the Most High, he helps us. Now we are in order. Read. And persuaded them to agree to all reasonable conditions and promised that he would persuade the king that he must needs be a friend unto them. Then Maccabeus consented to all that Lysias desired, 
being careful of the common good, and whatsoever Maccabeus wrote unto Lysias concerning the Jews, the king granted it. So this is talking about the same thing we just read in Second Maccabees about Antiochus giving the Jews their sovereignty. And his boy, his general Lysias, after he got whooped on, he decided to follow the, follow suit and take it back to the king so the king could sign off on it. Read on. For there were letters written unto the Jews from Lysias to this effect. Lysias unto the people of the Jews sendeth greeting. John and Absalom, who were sent from you, delivered me the petition, subscribed and made request for the performance of the contents thereof. Therefore, what things soever were meet to be reported to the king, I have declared them, and he hath granted as much as might be. If then ye will keep yourselves loyal to the state, hereafter also I w- will I endeavor to be a means of your good. But the particulars I have given order both to these and the other that came from me to commune with you. Fare ye well, the hundred and eight and fortieth year, the four and twentieth day of the month, Dioscorinthius. Now the king's letter contained these words, King Antiochus, unto his brother Lysias, sendeth greetings. Since our father is translated into the gods, our will is that they are in our realm, live quietly, that every one may attend upon his own affairs. Now, when he says our father has translated, he's talking about Antiochus Epiphany or Antiochus IV. This right here is his son. He was an adolescent at the time, but he's signing off on the things that Lysias wrote him about. Read. We understand also that the Jews would not consent to our father for to be brought unto the custom of the Gentiles, but had rather keep their own manner of living, for the which cause, for the which cause they require of us that we should suffer them to live after their own laws. Wherefore, our mind is that this nation shall be in rest, and we have determined to restore them their temple that they may live according to the customs of their forefathers. Thou shalt do well, therefore, to send unto them and grant them peace, that when they are certified of our mind, they may be of good comfort and ever go cheerfully about their own affairs. So this was us getting our sovereignty from the Greeks. Now, it ain't over. It ain't over. Because... Um, eventually, they would rise up again and take Jerusalem. Now, I'm not going to get into all of that history. I'm going to skip forward just a little bit, y'all. All right, I want you to read this right here. From wikipedia.org, Roman-Jewish Treaty. The what, Ro- what is it? Roman-Jewish Treaty. So... Because they kept coming against us, we eventually had to make a treaty with the Romans. Now, we made this treaty when Judas Maccabees was alive. But then uh, after he died, we went back to the Romans and recertified the treaty that we had with them. So read on in that. 
The Roman-Jewish treaty was an agreement made between Judas Maccabeus and the Roman Republic, according to the book, First Maccabees and Josephus' Jewish Antiquities. So it's recorded in two places. We're going to get that to y'all. We don't? It took place around 161 BCE and was the first recorded contract between the Jewish people and the Romans. The Romans apparently extended an offer of aid to the Judean rebel side of the Maccabean revolt. It does not appear the treaty was ever resulted in direct action by the Romans. Meaning the Romans didn't actually uh, send troops to help the Israelites out. Read. But may have deterred other states from more extreme measures against Judea. But they deterred the Greeks from putting further pressure on the Israelites. Read. During the early 2nd century BCE, Rome's power and influence in the eastern Mediterranean region was growing, while that of the Hellenistic Greek successor states formed from the conquest of Alexander the Great were declining. So, this, the, the period that we're in now, you have the Greeks, they're, they're falling, they're declining, and you have Rome starting to raise up as a superpower. And this is one of the reasons... Uh, the brother Judas Maccabees appealed to the Romans because he knew their strength. So let's go to First Maccabees chapter eight now. He knew the, the strength and power and might of the Romans, and wanted to form a league with them to get them damn Greeks up off our back. And like I said, once again, they wanted the same people though, same people. You got it. First Maccabees chapter eight. Mm-hmm. Verse one. Now Judas had heard of the fame of the Romans, that they were mighty and valiant men, and such as would lovingly accept all that joined themselves unto them and make a league of of amity with all that came unto them, and that they were men of great valor. It was told him also of, of their wars and noble acts which they had done among the Galatians and how they had conquered them. And brought them under tribute. <laughs> so it, it and it, this man, this is a lot of information, a lot of uh, meat here. Something about the Galatians, man, and this lets you know that the Galatians that we read about in the New Testament were not the original Galatians, man. And even the Greeks being the Galatians, because Galatia was a a Greek providence and then turned into a Roman providence, but it was not that before it was. Read on. Verse 3. And what they had done in the country of Spain for the winning of the mines of of the silver and gold, which is there, Mm -hmm. and that by their policy and patience they had conquered all the place. So you see this? This was the Greeks, I'm sorry, the Romans conquering all these places. Read. Though it were very far from them, and the kings also that came against them from the uttermost part of the earth till they had discomfited them mm-hmm. and given them a great overthrow so that the rest did give them tribute every year. Mm-hmm. Beside this, how they had discomfited in battle Philip and Perseus, king of the Sidim, with others that lifted them lifted up themselves against them. No, when they talk about Philip Perseus, king of Chittim, just talking about uh, Italy, y'all, because Chittim is Italy, and it's talking about the wars that they had with the Greeks. Read on. And had overcome them, 
how also Antiochus, the great king of Asia, that came against them in battle, having an hundred and twenty elephants with horsemen and chariots, and a very great army was discomfited by them. So the Greeks having war with the Romans, and the Greeks lost. Now watch this, read. And how they took him alive and covenanted that he and such as reigned after him should pay a great tribute and give hostages and that which was agreed upon. Now, this is why you read in First Maccabees to tell you that Antiochus V, Antiochus IV, was a hostage at Rome, and this is why. Because his father had lost the war that he had with the Romans, and he had to pay the Romans tribute, and he had to, and they had to send hostages every three years to the Romans to appease them because they lost the battle. Read on. Verse 8. And the country of India and Medea and Lydia and of the goodliest countries which they took of him and gave to King Eumenes. Moreover, how the Grecians had determined to come and destroy them, and that they, having knowledge thereof, sent against them a certain captain, and fighting with them slew many of them and carried away captives, their wives and their children, and spoiled them, and took possession of their lands, and pulled down their strongholds, and brought them to be their servants unto this day. So this was white-on-white crime. This was Esau against Esau, the Greeks against the Romans. Read. Verse 11. It was told him besides how they destroyed and brought under their dominion all other kingdoms and isles that at any time resisted them. But with their friends and such as relied upon them, they kept an amity, and that they had conquered kingdoms both far and nigh, insomuch as all that heard of their name were afraid of them. It's talking about the, the mighty Roman legion, man, the Roman army. The Roman army was no joke. Read. Also that whom they would help to a kingdom whose reign and whose again they would, they displaced. Finally, that they were greatly exalted. Yet for all this, none of them wore a crown or was clothed in purple to be magnified thereby. So this is Judas Maccabees making an observation about the Romans. He said, even though they did all this stuff, they didn't have no king. were nobody bigging up themselves. So what was different about the Romans was the Romans initially didn't have a king. They had a senate. That's all they had. Uh, Caesar, Julius Caesar, was the first king or first emperor of Rome. They'll try to tell you different, but he was, in fact. But before, before Caesar, they didn't have a king. Read on. Verse 15, moreover, how they had made for themselves a senate house, wherein three. See? You see what I'm saying? I ain't lying. They had a senate. They didn't have a king. They had a senate house. Read. Wherein 320 men sat in council daily, consulting always for the people to the end they might be well ordered. Now, who else has a senate, y'all? America. This is, this is where they got it from. Like I keep saying, the Greco-Roman Empire, America is the latter end of it. Read. Moreover, how they had made for themselves. No, verse 16. Okay. And that they committed their government to one man every year. To one man what? To every year. 
Every year, one man. This is the president. This is the presidency, y'all. <laughs> this is the Caesar. Commit their governance to one man every year. Now they do it every four years. You see how they try to change stuff up, try to throw you off the trail? Read. Who ruled over all their country and that all were obedient to that one and that there was neither envy nor emulation among them. Mm -hmm. In consideration of these things, Judas chose Eupolemus, the son of John, the son of Achos, and Jason, the son of Eleazar, and sent them to Rome to make a league of amity and confederacy with them. You see, this was the treaty that Judas Maccabees initially set with the Romans. Read. In consideration of these things, no, verse 18. and to entreat them that they would take the yoke from them, for they saw that the kingdom of the Grecians did oppress Israel with servitude. Mm-hmm. They went, therefore, to Rome, which was a very great journey, and came into the city, where they spake and said, Judas Maccabeus with his brethren, mm-hmm. and the people of the Jews, have sent us unto you to make a confederacy and peace with you, and that we might be registered your confederates and friends. All right, y'all. So this is a good place to end it. But this is Judas Maccabees initiating a treaty with the Romans to keep the Greeks up off our backs in our homeland. Now, when we come back next week, Lord willing, I'm going to continue to deal with this topic, and we're going to get into the death of Judas Maccabees, the Hasmodian dynasty, and um, John Hycranus, and how the small hats originally became the Jewish people that we know today. All right, y'all. I hope y'all got some edification out of the class, uh, the water machine for hooking up the broadcast. If y'all have any questions, anything y'all weren't clear on, please hit me up at area code 314-482-9110.